0: That's where you're broadcasting from? The prison?
1: Live from Penetanguish Ontario.
0: Good for you. How to Survive the Modern World, or Gen X, isn't just a fashion statement. Has partnered with Patreon. So you can help support the podcast for as little as $3 a month and get access to exclusive content. Visit patreon.com forward slash how to survive the modern world to see how you can become a pod pal
2: or even the pod god. Andrew how you doing today buddy good to see you it's been uh well you you were just on holidays were you not
0: yeah I'm I'm just halfway through and I've got another week ahead of me
2: oh very you, know, nice. you
0: can tell from my very tan co- uh, complex that I've been lying in the sun oh far from it quite honestly it, it goes from white to lobster red
2: I was gonna say you uh I didn't think you uh tanned very well but no I do
0: not how's your week been man
2: i'm here right you know so sure i'm, I'm still alive that's, that's one more day thing. alive one more day alive and uh, we'll see how that goes from here so we have uh some awesome awesome people on as, as a third wheel here or maybe maybe we're the third wheel to them awesome
0: why don't uh, why don't you introduce them rob
2: we have a very old awesome friend of mine sorry not old she's not old she goes back a time uh, when when i was at the studio and uh my very good friend deanna Dalzell and her hubby jamie Dalzell. very good to see you guys welcome to the show
1: thank you so much for thanks, having us thanks for having us guys yeah
2: i am super excited to have these guys here because these guys do so many cool things and i'm actually pretty jealous and i love watching what they do uh one of the things that, uh, that they do, they, they have a show called Haunted Heronia that uh, that was on Bell Media, I guess, for a little bit there. We, we think that if, if things go well, we'll have them back for like multiple shows because my goodness. There's a lot uh, to talk about. Yeah, they, they do so much stuff and uh, we need content. So we'll just use them.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what, what's on t- for, uh, t- for tonight's content? What are we talking about?
2: For today's content, we're, we're going to talk a little bit uh, to Deanna about, uh, uh, she had uh, has diabetes and has gone through some struggles with that, but but she also was very personal and, and public about it. And I want to talk to her about, about her experience with that. And uh, and they're also, uh, both of them are involved in, in wellness and wellness coaching and stuff like that, which is really interesting and exciting. And I want to see what they want to talk about there. Uh, Jamie's got some exciting news and we want to talk about it, or he's working towards uh, something that's really cool that both you and I are really excited about as fans of mixed martial arts. And uh, as well, we're going to talk to them about their show, Haunted Heronia, and talk about ghost hunting in general and stuff. So I think it's going to be an awesome show. (laughs) Yeah, fantastic. It sounds awesome, guys. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it certainly does. I want to hear it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> good good
2: stuff i, lo- I love watching you got you guys uh on, on social media and i love watching uh, your uh, your shows and stuff like that so i think everybody should tune in and we'll, we'll let you guys promote yourselves a little bit as well so feel free to plug yourselves wherever you guys want i'm okay with that are you okay with that andrew
0: yeah completely <laughs> <laughs> so we're starting with diabetes right mm-hmm. you have diabetes is it type one or type two
1: type one
0: Get it at a young age?
1: No, actually, I uh, was diagnosed at 29 years young. Wow. So I was at a weird, um, I think, time period for, uh, if if those of you familiar with the diabetes and the terminologies Uh, it was considered juvenile diabetes for a long time and around the same time that i actually was diagnosed they they actually dropped the juvenile diabetes component to it because it's becoming more and more common for people to develop in later years Um, there's actually even more than one and two I, i don't know all the deep information on that so i'm not gonna say things i'm not accurate on but as far as um my diagnosis uh i'm a bit of an anomaly um There was a lot of, I actually grew up with a mom with type 1 diabetes. She was actually also diagnosed late in life. She had it, she got it when she was pregnant with my brother. So I always thought there was a chance I could get it when I had kids, but I, so I was kind of always a bit hesitant of it or concerned of it. But when I got diagnosis, when I got diagnosed, it hit me at a a very interesting time in my life and uh, we were newly engaged at the time. I actually got really hit with it uh, on a trip to New York. We did a poor man's trip to New York, a uh, bus ride and all. And I kept kind of giving excuses of why I thought what I thought it was. Um, there was a woman pre-COVID times, but there was someone behind me coughing. And so I kept thinking, oh, well, I'm just sick. I got a cold from the overnight bus. And, but it was just a lot of stuff I couldn't really get my thumb on. And I was so thirsty and at the time, you know, I was very active. I was rollerblading like four hours a, a day because I lived in Toronto and I didn't want my bike to get stolen, like real talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he wasn't that active at the time. He was walking, like he was walking to be like beasting it. And I'm like, I need a break. And I was like, this is a weird, like a little bit, right? Um, yes. But, you know, we we, we have a very <laughs> comical sense of humor and I have, this is not funny at all, but like I have pictures of me pretending to be because- I was dealing with it with humor I didn't know what was going on um and I'm I'm very lucky I got back into Canada before needing to be hospitalized because uh that would have been a very hefty bill and the universe had my back someone was watching because I just happened to have a doctor's appointment the Monday after um that trip and uh was diagnosed that Tuesday morning so it was a bit of a whirlwind at the time didn't really like retrospectively I could see all the little signs but at the time I you know I had just started a you know, eating healthy and, and exercising so before I really got into wellness, but like with a friend of mine and we had this mini competition and I was kicking her butt, but I didn't know that my ketones were turning, like fat cells were turning into ketones. So yeah. won that <laughs> challenge, but not the life one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: So I, I've, got a, I've got a bit of a personal experience too uh, with diabetes. So this is why I, I'm kind of excited to talk to you about it. We have uh, it in our family. My mother had it and my brother is currently experiencing now and he's actually kind of on the serious side of it where he actually he's at the point where he could potentially lose his feet. I've been getting tested and trying to see, make sure that uh, things, but I haven't committed to the health side of it quite yet. Uh, I don't know if you can see, but I'm not quite that healthy. <laughs> I've talked about it quite often on the, on the show as well. So I haven't, yeah, I haven't really taken it as seriously at, at the moment. Cause I haven't been you know, diagnosed with it yet, but obviously it's going to be something that I'm going to have to deal with. So, so Deanna, obviously, I mean, at first you weren't sure how to handle it. What did you do when you first kind of accepted that this was going to be a part of your life?
1: it's it's an interesting question because it feels like a million years ago to be honest now like it feels like I've had this forever but I also feel like it's happened yesterday that morning I'll never forget it was the day the day of the doctor's appointment no one really thought it was going to be diabetes like everyone thought I was pregnant and I was like well thank god I'm engaged (laughs) you know like all of the older (laughs) generation we're already you know but it was just a weird thing like apparently like The day of my doctor's appointment, I went into work and I was so zoned out that I apparently said to multiple people that, or one, one girl in particular that I thought I had diabetes go a little bit longer in the story, because I look at it now as like, it's really went through the stages of grief. Like I woke up that morning, the, I look, I remember looking out the window, we were living at a a condo at front Spadina. And I just remember looking out and knowing that my life was changed and I cried real good. I hadn't even wake him up yet. And it was almost like I I mourned what was. Because I was fortunate to have a mom that lived with diabetes and I'd seen people living with it, Um, there was some hope in it. Um, But uh, the next kind of few moments of it all were a little bit like, I don't know. I'm not a super religious person, but the universe, something took the wheel. Like, even to the choice of the hospital I went to, like, I went down, there was a lineup of cabs, and it was like, which hospital do you want to go to? And I lived really close to, like, I call it, like, basically, like Vegas of hospitals, like, what, which one do you want? (laughs) And I suppose one that was like not the top choice we should have done, but it actually, and this is kind of little hints or segue to later conversations, happened to be the hospital my grandfather passed away in. It's an interesting uh, experience there. Because I was terrified of hospitals at this point in my life. You know, what went on from there? I didn't have the best experience in the hospital, to be quite honest. My mom, thank God, was my advocate. And I walked out with, with extra tools because she knew what was going on. I was being fed meals that were not for a diabetic and being not properly instructed on what to do. And I was 29 years old and I had to start over. You know, if you're a video gamer, I reset the button. I was on day one of life because I had to learn how to do everything all over again. I had to learn to go get groceries without having a low sugar and passing out. Like I needed to basically start all over again. And it was, a, it was an interesting time. And I look at it back now with a lot of gratitude because I wasn't necessarily going the path of the way I would hope life would. I, if I was still going that path pre this, like pre diabetes, I would have been very miserable and I never would have made it through COVID definitely mentally. Cause at the time, so I, I was working 60 plus hours a week. The actor life in Toronto, working multiple jobs, trying to get by. And then I could work zero hours. I could do zero things. And I was not in a field where I had EI and I had all of these things to potentially support me. So uh, at the same time, our landlord was looking to sell his condo because we were renting at the time. So we also moved into my parents' basement, <laughs> engaged, newly engaged people. He was amazing. I gave him the opportunity to walk in the hospital. I was like, you didn't sign up for this. Like you're engaged. You didn't, nothing's signed. You're good. But he was amazing. He stuck it out. He was with me every night. And um, you know, I remember some dark times, some dark nights um in that basement. <laughs> um it was I was metaphorically and physically at my lowest and darkest place. And you know what actually got me out of it was um. We have a mutual friend named Dan Stolfe, and Dan was uh, is an incredible comedian who wrote a show called Cancer Can't Dance Like This, and this guy is a hero of mine. He survived cancer and wrote a phenomenal, phenomenal show about it, and he handled his recovery with comedy, with grace, with just this earnestness that I always was drawn to before I got sick, before I got this. So something struck a chord in me and it rippled forward until he became a safe space. And it was really interesting as I kind of started pulling myself out of it. And at the same time, actually, I was doing a a show too, which was, I was very fortunate because I had a lot of believers in me. I had this fringe kids show that I was doing and I had a crew of people that respected and heard me and knew I needed to take my pace with rehearsals like I do stage combat do <laughs> a diabetic like what lotion sh- my shirts I kind of figure that out um plus I had just started working for the amazing Naomi Sneekis and Matt Barham helping them with some stuff when they're kind of producing side and and no one gave up on me and that held into my heart too I'm like they're not giving up on me I can't give up on me he's not giving up on me no one's giving up on me I'm not allowed to give up on me um so humor got me through it and it was interesting talking to Dan about, you know, as someone so talking to someone who is a cancer survivor, being like, oh my gosh, man, that must have been so hard. And he's turning back and he's like, Dee, mine's gone. Like you're living with it for like, it was just the most fascinating conversations started to come from it. And then these other little things where it was like talking to my nurse and saying like, who can I talk to? Who's a support system? Who's another 29 year old that I can talk to or twenties about this? Because all the support groups were for kids and I want to know how I might be able to have a glass of wine I certainly hope I'm not having that conversation with a six-year-old like just life stuff so it started I started just looking at things a little bit different where you know it kind of became like well maybe it's my purpose to get this so I can give a voice so I can show people what's possible because Rob I like Honestly, the thing that, that was so scary too, is when I came in, when I got diagnosed was like every time someone with type one diabetes was represented on television, everyone was getting something amputated or was not living. Like it was always to the the extreme. Yeah. And as a newly diagnosed person, you can't help, but be fearful of that. Like, again, my mom, like, I'm not a perfect diabetic. She's not a perfect diabetic, but like, she's got everything intact, you know, like, and, and I know that there's different people's, journey, and there's so much that's out of our control. That's the thing with diabetes. You can only do your, do what you can do, but it was, it was situations like my mom and meeting some other people that were living life and, and living life healthy that were, and now you hear more and more and more about, you know, Halle Berry is a diabetic and like Max all of Domi. these, Max Stone, all these incredible athletes and And people that are living life so beautifully that have this. And honestly, the biggest turnkey was, I don't let it own me. Like, it's part of me. It's like my hair color. I'm a diabetic and my hair is brown. It's not, I'm a diabetic first and that is my identifier. And I think that was a big thing. I didn't give it all the ownership. And understood that there's only so much I can control. By taking care of my health and wellness, I'm getting a foot ahead of it, but- My sugar can drop if the temperature is weird. Like, you know, like it's, there's so much out of my control, but the little bits, but it was a journey. It was, uh, I hit some pretty deep depression and I, I'm grateful for the people that championed through with me because I, I don't know if I could have done it if I was in a different phase of my life.
2: I'm super happy because I think a a support system, a personal support system is really important, obviously, in any situation. And especially for you as well, like from from an outside person like myself, like seeing you because diabetes has always either been, like you said, juvenile diabetes or the fat person's disease. Right. And you're by no (laughs) means like, you know, a a fat person. Right. Uh, And so it was, you know, to see, oh, wow. Like for me to see that, I'm like, wow, that's okay. This is interesting and, and and odd right so you were kind of like the 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 poster child of what not the typical diabetes person was and and it's good to and and you you mentioned too that now we're starting to see a lot of celebrities and, and athletes and, and and fit people who are you know coming out basically uh you know as being diabetes positive i guess it's it's good to see that a lot of the toxicity is and toxic mentality towards diabetes is is moving away and unfortunately i mean you obviously had You were kind of on the cusp of that. Uh, So it's great that also, I know that you were publicly sharing your struggle and stuff like that. And I think that was super amazing on your behalf. I'm glad that you've been able to get that support and get to the point where you are now, because now you're, you and Jamie together are teaching wellness.
1: You know, we both, and and he's had his own journey with with health and wellness or with health and I'll let you speak for yourself. I think what's important, what really, really popped out to me along the way was just, you can't find the support system you feel like you're alone like i've also been very public i we had suffered a miscarriage a couple years ago and it was the same thing where the only reason why i spoke up about it was there were so many people that told me in secret Mm -hmm. oh me, me too in secret and i was like that's not right it's very common and the thing even with diabetes is like we're it's more talked about and quote unquote socially acceptable i mean i'm an actor And I would be lying if I didn't say that whenever it asks me for about allergies or anything else, I wonder if I'm supposed to put it because I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Like it it might make or break you. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I know it's a controls and I can write it all day long. I can tell you what my A1C has been. I can tell you my doctors and my nurses are happy and I got it all sorted out, but I still get nervous about it. and I know I'm not the only one and I know I'm not the only one with other um, health challenges that are concerned about that statement too because in the industry that we're in they're looking for the one thing to separate you yeah
0: yeah for sure Who's
1: this one on set and i know from even the conversations i've had while going on to set is you know there's a lot of directors and and, and a script rate like there's every facet of the film industry they're type one diabetics thriving so we still have a ways to go acceptance but yeah the support system and and the ability to advocate and that's kind of what I think I loved for me what I loved about the health and wellness industry that we were in was first of all when talking about another breaking point coming from out of my type 1 diabetes diagnosis I was I was like tell me how to do it like give me the rule book give me the guidebook I'm gonna be the best gosh darn diabetic I ever (laughs) saw like I got this because that's my personality and disclaimer that's not how it works Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that being said is um through a bit of misinformation i actually was consuming more carbohydrate than i needed to so as i'm kind of rolling through this new thing i'm watching myself gain all this weight and i'm feeling like i'm quite honestly force feeding myself you're like why are you complaining you get to you i'm like (laughs) (laughs)
2: I'm full. <laughs> <laughs> can't put any more in me
1: exactly but like so there was a lot of identity crisis kind of coming out of that I was already dealing with some personal development personal mindset stuff and then adding on that and then I'm watching myself gain weight and I'm moving we moved to I moved two hours away We moved two hours away from family and friends so I'm like in the middle of the ocean and I remember again that moment of looking in the mirror and just not recognizing the person in front of me and I've I've been acting since I was a kid so I'm used to a bit of that competitive nature and I didn't have a lot of those friends that lifted up That was an interesting observation after my diagnosis of who my friends were, because the culture we were in, we both worked at Second City and in the, you know, the night uh, shift workers of the having a, having a brew or having an adult soda pop. And, and when you take that, just one, one. one, of course, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, when you, when you pull yourself out of that world and you're not, that's not your, you're not socializing that way again, you realize, oh who are the people I see all the time because I'm working I'm used to that so what I loved about the community that we you know were so fortunate to find was that it was a community that lifted up and empowered and loved and supported and encouraged and you know the nutrition and everything that we encompassed together it, t- it lit a fire in me and the first person I was able to really connect with and help them on their health and wellness I was hooked I love helping people it's one of the reasons why I got into performing I just wanted to affect people you know i always said if i couldn't be on the stage i wanted to be beside it so i could be in the energy and help contribute um so it was an, it was kind of a, a natural step in for me but i'll let you talk about kind of your health and wellness like yeah we'd love to hear it <laughs> okay so it's, it's very different
3: No, absolutely yeah we were uh we've been living together for for a while in the second city life i got a
1: so it's not just second city it's the like second the, city it, life. it's like the, the-
3: the server. i was gonna say the nightlife. I mean, that so makes it sound like the we're like actor life. Right? We're both we're both actors and actors well, and and you know, so I was working a hundred jobs to get by and and uh, living the city life, you know. Um, yeah. I am born, and yeah. raised in Penatang, small town fella and uh you know the city was um exciting there's a lot of stuff to do and work. a lot of bright lights <laughs> a lot of bright lights in the city yeah i'm working in the in you know serving jobs and everything like that you just kind of get into the um the alcoholic beverages at night after your shift and whatnot
0: yeah you don't always treat yourself very well but it's a lot of fun along the way
3: exactly yeah. there yeah then, you know that's perfect yeah that's, <laughs> a, that's a very good um, bang on so <laughs> Yeah, I started. Um, we'll go all over the map here. I was a pretty uh, high level athlete growing up uh, in high school, you know, played every sport, was let's say track star because sounds kind of conceited, but like pretty good <laughs> at track. Pretty and, good at track, <laughs> sure. He's in that track and <laughs> played a lot of hockey. And um, I was actually an enforcer uh, in junior hockey. Nice. Four years. Nice. Yeah. So I, I like to throw the, uh, not necessarily that I like to fight, but just truth be told, I was good at it. I That role came on me. I was not like not a, big guy uh i tried to put on weight because they always added my stats in the program <laughs> I was, was like six one and 210 pounds what yeah like i don't think uh they like i was probably a buck 60 at the time like wow. i was like, a little dude it's a little off. Mm-hmm. a little little dude but like you know i had the big stroller pads on and i, I guess i looked big and they just always tried to pad that but um that
0: that's what you weigh with the equipment on yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
3: probably probably holding a cinder block yeah as well. sure <laughs> but, yeah so that's that was, awesome that was always funny i always Threw down with the big guys, but um, I didn't need to who cares, I didn't need to tell them that I, that I was big, but for some reason that was something that needed to be said anyway. Yeah, so I, I was pretty high level athlete, but with all the fighting, you know, got concussions over the years, I started boxing. Uh, I had a couple there, but the main one actually was just a freak thing. I was working construction after my junior years and stuff, working on the Packer, you know, the big, like huge, giant machine. I was working on this. Mountain. We're in Ontario. So, so the equivalent of mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I was going down the hill and the, one of the dozer driver kept telling me to get closer to the edge. This is a while ago. I wasn't trained on it or anything. Why would you need to be trained on a machine that just went straight? But anyway, yeah, he kept telling me to get closer to the edge. And then eventually the ground just gave out and, uh, the machine flipped
2: oh holy crap
3: yeah i wasn't wearing a helmet uh i wasn't wearing a seatbelt but i luckily enough d talking about somebody looking out for you or whatever i just grabbed onto the side of the machine as it fell and like force of that huge machine hitting the ground even myself holding it my head went back and slammed against the metal and i ended up splitting my head open
0: that's a nasty concussion
3: there and somehow i was able to shut the machine off and like get out of there and i remember just like looking down at my hand and it was bleeding all over and it was just yeah it was pretty bad and then like not to talk about the work thing but this all kind of will fit into each other i went to the hospital they kind of said you know probably had a concussion but this is back before people really were paying much attention to concussions like when i was junior i was fighting and wobbly and not seeing things right but then going out and fighting the next day like nobody concussions weren't a thing Uh, nobody was really paying much attention to them or what they could do or anything like that Obviously, there was a, a number of them. And then with that work accident, it just became pretty uh, regular, I guess. And I started when even when I moved to the city, I was playing just rec hockey. And I guess, just I guess I must be, a, I'm not very well liked on the ice. <laughs> it's
1: hard to watch him. He's the a I nice guy. Such a nice guy.
3: But you put skates and a helmet on this guy.
2: Got a little aggressive. I, I love the hockey lifestyle too. I know, uh you know, when you put the, the mask on, it's something completely different. It's
1: like Jekyll and Hyde. It's terrifying. Yeah.
3: I, I don't know what it is. I still, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, even with that, so even in rec hockey, I was getting into altercations. We'll say, uh, <laughs> No, pulled out fights in rec hockey. Come on, well, that's not true. I guess I got a-
0: <laughs> <laughs> one or two.
3: Needless to say, I got another concussion in rec hockey. A guy slew footed me, and I hit my head off the ice.
2: The dirt, the dirtiest play in hockey.
3: It's so dirty, man. It's just, I oh, it disgusts me. Regardless, that that one was uh, kind of the end of my career. Um, doctor said I shouldn't play anymore. And to me, like that was, that was the ultimate low. Yeah. That was my life. Even just, playing yeah. hockey. like, I, I couldn't dream of not playing hockey. And they're like, no, you shouldn't be playing. And that was about six years ago. So yeah, fairly close to when we started our wellness j- journey, like maybe a year or two before that. And they said, you know, yeah, you shouldn't be playing anymore. That kind of crushed me. I got into some pretty severe depression started drinking even more than I already had been, which was already a lot. Um, yeah, to be just late, like lately, honest, I was an alcohol. Yeah, things just weren't going well. It was obviously hurting our relationship. And then, yeah, just a long story into the wellness journey. Um, Deanna started on hers. I thought I was in great shape, regardless of, all of everything going on. I'm, fight her, but I'm still in good shape. Wrong. I was not <laughs> in good shape. Remember, I said I couldn't gain weight. I was... I was like, hey, D, I, I'm like, I can get 200 pounds. Like, wasn't, I was like 198 pounds, but this is the dude that like couldn't put on mm-hmm. weight. I couldn't hit 170 if I tried my hardest. Um, so the weight came on and it wasn't pretty weight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so Deanna started her, pro- her program and this journey and I was like, I'll be supportive. I'll help you very much like i'm not feeling this but started to started taking it more serious and then it was like the mind shift set that really got me the whole philosophy that they were going with was like 100 percent mindset 80 nutrition and 20 exercise and like yeah we are we go by that still and it's just such a strong philosophy like the whole thing is the 100 mindset is like you can't you, no matter what you do, if you don't believe that you're able to do it, you're never going to. Like you have to have that you gotta get that mentality right. So been really working on that, personal development and got got the kind of got the mind right first. Started getting my nutrition right after that and then getting the exercise going again. And within the last um well, I've basically been four years concussion symptom free and that was like oh. so before that, yeah. It was like probably since I was about fifteen started getting concussions without knowing and just like I gotta tell people like almost like I'm living life in a in a fog. Yeah. Like just literally a fog looking around. Um but it's been uh yeah about four years uh symptom free and this may sound ridiculous to people but um I've been getting into the best shape of my life and I've always been a really good fighter and uh yeah the last little bit decided I've always dreamed of being a pro fighter. Uh and now you know So are we talking
0: boxing back into boxing?
3: Well, actually MMA. Mma okay. Yeah, mixed mixed martial arts because I figure if I'm gonna do it and I want I love fighting and if I wanna do it, I wanna be like, let's let's fight. <laughs> let's let's no hold bar. I love boxing. I love boxing.
0: But it's great to come to come to MMA with that boxing background already. Yeah.
3: Uh, you know, first
2: of all, let, just let me say like you guys are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, that that you've been able to do this, and that you guys are are bringing your learnings to the world and helping to teach, and, and I I so much appreciate that and respect you guys for that. Jamie, you've already you've already segwayed into the second uh, the second topic, so why why don't you just hammer it out? Let's 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 keep it going then. What's going on with the the fight story?
3: Well, yeah, let's go. Um, so here's yeah, I've been thinking about this. Probably for about four years. Basically, since they're like, you can't play hockey. And for some reason, like, well, I guess I should fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Logical next move.
3: Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Is it, is it okay to say that's a guy thing? I don't know. Go <laughs> <laughs> so way back into this. When I was about seven or eight, I got into karate. Just as a, you know, as my mom was like, my mom hates fighting. But karate is very, very disciplined. Very much, you know, teaching kids how to not fight which is silly, but you know what I mean? Like, it's very disciplined. So I loved karate. I was actually pretty good at that, too. But um, I was a kid, and who knows what happened, but never really got too far into it. And I remember when I was in karate, I said, they were going around, like, what do you want to be when you're older, doing that whole thing? I don't even know where it came from, but I said, I want to be a boxer. That's That's what I told the sensei. In the mm-hmm. sensor was like, No, you don't. Boxers are eights. <laughs> uh, basically, something like along those lines that, like, you ever see a boxer? They're stupid. Like, just like, just.
0: <laughs> and so now I want to be an MMA fighter. Right.
3: <laughs> but, but yes, yeah, so as I was seven years old, and that, so, and that's your sensei saying that. So obviously, that was I want to box. No, I don't. That was, yeah, and that was kind of it which is so weird to think about now because like my whole mentality is if somebody tells me they want to do something or be someone, I'm like, yeah, yeah. wicked do that. Like never yeah. know about anything. And yeah. just to think back on that to be like, Nope, they're a moron. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe she was right. But, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, it wasn't, and my mom was so against it. So it wasn't until I was 19 that I started boxing because I could like leave the house and you know, <laughs> exactly. get get a, like I legally, legally do, do it. Anywhere. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and, Nobody can tell you not to
3: now. <laughs> yeah. I think I probably tried at sixteen, but even like you know, living at home I like, don't want to live in the streets yet. Um, yes. people, still, still. Um but yeah, so I like nineteen I got into boxing and um and again I was I was still playing junior hockey and fighting at the time. So I just I was like well versed to fight. I just know how to fight. And a lot of people talk about the Technicalities and all this, and like just being really good at something, I just, I just not a fight. And I got into boxing, and the coach was like, threw me in a couple of fights right away. They were, uh, they went well. The guys are like, where do you find these guys? This guy's tough as no. It's like, <laughs> like on right. the ice, <laughs> he, he's just a meathead. Just <laughs> a meathead. <laughs> so yeah, so I got into it super late, but then again, with like concussions and everything else, um, wasn't really able to do it. And it's just always been in the back of my brain. Like it's just something I've been good at. Right. So I've always thought, thought about it. So the last few, where are you training out of now? uh, In Barry actually Canadian top team.
0: Oh, okay. Kind of a big deal.
3: Yeah. A little bit.
0: Yeah. They got, they've got a big
2: name.
3: Yeah. They got a decent name.
1: From uh, from the wife perspective. I love this.
2: I was actually going to ask you, I was going to say (laughs) (laughs) D mama D. Where let's be honest, where where are you on this?
1: Oh, he knows. Like I hate every part of it. Um, <laughs> only because I mean, you've heard the, you've heard what he's been saying, right? He's had a bunch of concussions. I've been on the journey with him for a lot of them, and I have. I mean, he has been. I know he's been symptom free. I've seen the change, like the the shifts in him, and and I know he's. I know he's the healthiest he's been. I uh, quite honestly said <laughs> to him that he could do it if he got a uh, doctor's permission fully expecting her to say he couldn't
2: well that backfired yep
0: <laughs> how about it
1: she not only gave up, uh, but she also has done mma training herself
0: that, so she's
1: like yeah
0: completely the wrong doctor
1: and she's an amazing doctor but i was like yeah so needless to say um I, we we don't we don't lie to each other. He knows I'm terrified about it. Um, every day of lockdown was beautiful because he
3: couldn't, but, play, but can I, can I give her a huge shout out now though? Cause she hates it. You know, well, how am I going to say you can't do like, yeah. how can I say that you can't do this
1: Well, and that's when I it's something that
3: you're so passionate about? You want to do so.
1: I couldn't live my life. Be, it, like think of like a big goal or dream that you've got. I couldn't be the, I, I I empower other people and to follow their dreams and chase their passions. I never want to be the thumb on someone's dreams, like at all. I don't want us to look back in 40 years and giving us lots of life there. I don't that. Um, but, you know, and, and him say, I wish I had of or, Like, I don't want to be responsible for that. So my wish was just saying, you know, listen, like you get one hair of not feeling right, you're out. You any sign of anything? You have to be honest with me, and and everyone that he's working with, he'll take it back in a second. Like I've gotten to know as well, and they know where I stand, and they've actually, you know, he had a training a little while ago, and the same guy who's gonna mention his name, I was uh, training at a, we're opening our own nutrition club, and I was training at another one, and he you know popped over, and he's like, D, just so you know, Jamie had a little tap, he had his head, he was fine, like. But the fact that he came over and talked to me about that, he's like, he might not tell you. would <laughs> oh, wonder. But, but I was grateful because it gave me more confidence in him being able to work with these people because I know if something was off, they'd shut it down and or communicate with me. So I shut it down. It just made me feel more comfortable. I'm still nervous about it. I'm still terrified. I love him. I know what concussions can do. I know what one wrong tap can do. So I'm still concerned, but I'm, I love him and I'm, I'm trusting him. I'm empowering him with that—that that, that he'll, if something's off, he'll he'll do the right thing.
2: The the nice thing that's kind of gone on in the last few years since uh, kind of the concussion syndrome kind has of, kind of come to the forefront is that there's been a lot of studies a lot of research and a lot of understanding of how to kind of deal with it too and like you know if it's something like you know even as something as simple as a mouth guard and as simple as like just making sure that your traps and your neck are properly stabilized and stuff like that how much of a difference that's going to make to soften the blow for you but i i, I understand like i mean it, it is scary but
0: why don't we get a shout out for the coaches that you're working with
3: yeah so aaron dupuy yeah. is a buddy of mine we went we were in high school together we played basketball together and we kind of joked around like i got into acting and he actually got into mma after school and so yeah so the last um Aaron dupuy is, is basically been training me and how i'll kind of go through this fairly quickly so i've been like i said i've been dreaming about doing this it hasn't really been in the cards but then i just again started feeling so good i just have literally been the strongest fastest just felt better than i've ever felt in my life so I just started being serious and just saying to the, it kept coming out up that I'm like, I think that I need to do this. Something just keeps telling me I need to do this. And then things just started falling into place. Like that my Aaron Dupuy I hadn't seen in 10, 15 years. Somehow he just like popped up on Instagram or something. And I think I mentioned in a tweet, just or a, uh, a post hinting at like maybe getting into fighting. And he was like, hey man, if you want to do that, he fought pro for a bit. So he's like, oh, I'll train you. Now. I'm actually starting to do this stuff. He had teen submission grappling is his that's the offshoot of uh Canadian top team that he's training.
0: Okay. There's
3: only, there's only three of us right now, but all like very serious and looking for, for fights. And I'll get into the documentary thing. So uh yeah, so he did that. One of my buddies who's a strength and conditioning coach, he was the first guy that I fought in a championship fight in karate when we were kids we ended up meeting in the championship and best like best friends i don't think we were even really close when we when we ended up fighting in the championship he got yeah so he's a strength and conditioning coach now so we started talking and i was and i just kind of hinted to him i'm like there's something calling me man i just feel like i gotta fight and he's like dude you should like if you feel that way you should do it like let me help you and so i got all these guys in my corner that's just that are awesome and pros and things just kept falling into place and then um i started thinking i just you know as an actor and as a as a somebody who likes to entertain and whatever I started thinking about well, I should probably do a documentary on this cuz I think this is pretty crazy <laughs> it's probably, Yeah that's awesome. Yeah it's a pretty probably a pretty neat story. I am the age I'm I just turned 39 years old. This has been since the beginning of this year basically end of last year just like probably end of 2020. So you know maybe it was covid uh, but yeah 39 I'm feel fantastic and I'm like I'm going to have a pro fight in the next little bit and the documentary is is already being filmed we got a pretty cool little trailer out for it as of now it hasn't been picked up it's 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 apparently this close to being picked up somewhere but not yet so if somebody wants to 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 uh, hop in there and take it i'm like down Let's
2: go. <laughs> when when we're done, when we're done, the show tonight, D, D's going to share with me, uh, obviously, some links and stuff like that because I want to get that out because I'm actually excited. I know Andrew's probably excited about this as well. Andrew's uh, his his son is involved in uh, martial arts, and we we love Bruce Lee and we love MMA. We I I love pro pro wrestling, and I know it's not the same thing, but you know, like and I, I'm a huge boxing fan as well. I mean, this is awesome and exciting, and 100 percent support you on this. This is great. Yeah, the
0: whole MMA game has really changed over over the last 10 years like now people are specifically training mma and getting great at everything as opposed to just being good at boxing and stepping into the ring and hoping that you're going to survive a jiu-jitsu guy Um, but but now because there are young kids that that are training you know from day one once they go into some sort of martial arts they're starting with mixed martial arts and you're getting some amazing fighters that are coming out now
3: it's it's wild and that's what i love about it like i said i love boxing but there's some since i mean i'll I'll, i don't know if this will mean anything to you guys Mm -hmm. but like that first ultimate fighter the the show with and then the like. Forest Griffin Stephen fight.
2: Forest Griffin was one of my favorite fighters. That was a crazy fight.
3: My goodness, I was like, "This is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life." And I used to watch the old, the original ones where they used to have the tournament.
2: Yeah, no, no no rules other than no biting and scratching. Right,
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. Just like go ahead and punch the guy in the junk as much as oh you want.
2: I, I don't. I don't think D would let you uh, participate if it was still like that.
3: <laughs>
1: it's fine. It's a screen UFC. I used when I worked at uh, before. Second today, I worked at Diesel Playhouse, and I used to request the UFC nights off because my mentality was I couldn't. My brain couldn't wrap my head around it. I'm like, if these guys did this on the like outside, they'd be arrested and you're all cheering and i'm bringing you beer i don't get it, it would make so mad. i have a fear of cauliflower ear i'm not gonna lie yeah it's nasty Come on, let's go watch it after work i'm like there's i would rather stab forks in my eyes you but didn't sure, say i love you first. let's go
3: you didn't say that the first no because
1: times. i was trying to impress you
3: but yeah M- <laughs> mma is just uh, like we were talking about how boxing like the, the art is fantastic mma is so beautiful man like it's a guest match and i think it's I think it's amazing now I used to always hate because I was you know as a boxer and a strapper like good with my fists I used to hate watching the grappling and everything but Now I absolutely love it when you know what they're doing and you you know some jujitsu, and you see what guys are doing it's phenomenal just seeing the strategy that these guys are doing compare them to like cockfights or whatever but I'm like no these guys are smart
0: so when's the first pro fight
3: it's sounding like September Oh, oh sorry not pro not pro that won't be pro um <laughs> gonna be an amateur yeah i think they're gonna it's gonna be considered an amateur fight in montreal Well, wow. this is not this is not, not set a, yet but it's sounding yep. like leaning towards there um so my uh training's gonna get amped up here over the next little bit the documentary like i said it's happening which is kind of cool and, and my whole goal and again with the whole mentality and stuff i have i'm really like when i get set on something it and really focus it. Typically happens. So I'm, I'm hoping I'll just say it out loud. You know, when you you kind of say things yeah. in the universe that so like. So I'll have a fight in September. I'm gonna finish it in the first round pretty quick. And I'll be looking for my first pro fight by the end of the year. I love
2: it. I love it. That that is that is a solid promo cut right there.
1: You're recording this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. We're recording it. The world. The world <laughs> will see. I think
1: will because are like we got to take oh, this idea out.
3: I've been trying to call out everybody online. Give me a Jake Paul.
2: Okay. There's somebody that will take a fight. But look, like, look, if you take out Jake Paul, I will I will personally finance your freaking thing. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't have that kind of money, but
3: I've been calling him out for real. I'm like, dude, I'm your I'm your exact target. I'm not a pro fighter. And I'm about 30 pounds lighter than you. Let's go. Let's go. That's like you're handpicking dudes that are way smaller than you. Like, come on, I'll do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I love
2: it. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome great that's great that's great stuff so, so let's talk about uh some of your older projects too Let, let's let's head on to our to our third subject ghost hunting and haunted heronia so you so you guys had it have a show that you've had uploaded to, to youtube but it was also on bell media for for a bit there is it still on bell media i'm not sure
0: i yeah, think so is. i think it, it is it's on bell five
3: tv one it's got another year left i think yeah that's that's
2: awesome that's pretty cool and mm-hmm. what i like about your guys show compared to if anybody's familiar with the other like those kind of ghost hunting shows and stuff like that is that it's it's a, a more personal show obviously being in ontario it's even more personal uh but it's just more personal you guys are, are like real humans like where a lot of times you watch those shows and they're just like these exaggerated like people and it's it's almost a little silly and it's all production value and stuff like that but what i like is you guys and, and the other thing that you guys do is it, it's it's almost a little historical too because you, you learn a lot about you know the sites that you're going to visit and stuff like i really love the one where you're on the, the ship i can't remember the name of the ship off the top of my head wow. uh, but that was one of my favorite episodes just because you, you learn so much about the ship and you hear the, the stories and the anecdotes from people Tell us about how you kind of got into that, and what your goal is with that show.
1: You know, again, it's a matter of like, like stepping outside of comfort zones in the universe. I, I talk about the universe taking the wheel a lot because for us, when we moved up here, um, you know, we we were doing everything wrong according to everyone, right? Like we're actors. We moved <laughs> two hours away from Toronto to yeah. be like <laughs> we were doing everything incorrectly um, in theory. So we said, you know, if we're gonna do this, our mentality was this: if we we're gonna be we're able to own a house and um, (laughs) it's about commuting and that's the biggest thing to get to an audition, but we can kind of figure out our life in a different way than we just, we just, let's go. And um, we moved up here. We just made some choices. We also decided, you know, from any jobs we get up here, we're just going to be very honest. We're going to say, listen, we're actors first. If we get a gig, which was not easy to get a job for this girl whose last name wasn't one of the like five from the
3: area <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
1: but it was like it was something that was very important to us and for me specifically after my diagnosis I was like I'm not wasting my time anymore Um, and so we had planned I went and met with one of the local theater groups here we got involved in a production there and at the same time it was funny that there, we, the film guy from up here that we'd been to- told <laughs> about forever—a joke that like his mom was like trying to set him up on a like a friend date with Jamie forever, like, legit like legitimately—they <laughs> ended up like meeting up for. They like, hit it off. They it hit it off. Sweet. Just connecting, and we just creatively we just cr- connected with the right individuals in that time and space. And um, Nate Lacroix is the person I'm talking about, the film person, and it's just a beautiful relationship developed with us. Like, I think, you know, we really, he inspired us to believe we could create more and, and, and take some leaps and we allowed him to, cause we're like, we're actors. We just want to play. Like tell, you know, we allowed him to get his creative juices growing and we ended up growing together. And it just so happened that he had a connection to, to a person who had a show on Val 5 and knew he her that they were looking for some, some content. They were looking for, uh, some content from the northern area so thankfully we didn't have a lot of competition we also had an incredible filmmaker um, like Nate is exceptional and if you've seen the work and even watching the season itself like the show itself you it see evolves. his incredible evolution as a filmmaker and and we grew together it was our first you know attempt at a, anything like that and it was exciting for us we got to sit in the office and pitch the show and had a couple in our tool belt but this was something, a concept Jamie had been kind of humming and hawing about. And um, I grew up with a mom who was a believer and a dad who was a skeptic. And it wasn't actually in Guelph, Ontario, that I went to a psychic fair for everybody else. And I actually had a connection and everything kind of pulling back. I, I had experience with ghosts and spirit for a long time, but I kind of just swept it under the rug until kind of later on. And needless to say, the show was pitched. They liked it. And I don't even think we well the, the else, show right? wasn't
3: no the show wasn't even
1: pitched oh no we pitched different shows yeah, we were we were a, <laughs> we
3: pitched a sketch comedy we show we
1: pitched a sketch that comedy show. was like
3: in a green light and <laughs> yeah so then we met true. and we had a meeting with them and it just ended up being a little bit of creative conflicts kind of thing it was a project
1: with a small budget we had a bigger crew um and it became you know we're very and and the comedy troupe that we were working with good morning apocalypse um We award-winning, award-winning, actually.
2: Nice, very nice.
1: We were our writers were very. um We want to speak from our true, our true perspective, and I think there was some certain perspective understandings about, I guess, northern culture. As in, you know, they thought we all rode skidoo's, and is that even the truth? We were just gonna get
3: handcuffed into stuff, but
1: very limited content. That like it was just not. It wasn't a fit, and it would have been a lot of work, um, and a lot of time, and all of us were parents at the time. So it was a lot of commitment that we just, we just couldn't click into at the time. So actually this was a, another idea that we'd thrown in, uh, that Jamie had thrown in. And then mm-hmm. that was kind of, it evolved from there.
3: Yeah. It's kind of funny. I don't even know what I can think of it. I was just sitting in the a, a, a car and I think Deanna just left the car and like had the guys, the producer from Bell's number. And I just like called him like, I'm just going to pitch this idea that's been in my head for the last 10 years. And it was- Why not, just, right? Shoot your shot. Yeah, and I was like, hey, I got this idea about like like a ghost hunting show. And I just kind of <laughs> kind of went into it that way. Just like that. No just a weird pitch. And he's like, all right, let's let's try an episode and see how it goes. So so we did the pilot episode. <laughs> That's
0: crazy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty wild. So this I, I wrote a post about this the other day and it's like, there's no such thing as luck. There really isn't. Like luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And I've had this thing in my head since I was like ten years old. And it was just like, okay, I got this sit down. We This this didn't fit. Why not just throw this in there? And yeah, and then who like, yeah, the world's, the universe is a strange thing.
1: And it's interesting because the ripple from it all is that it is a local show. We, you know, historically, they're, like we live in an incredibly rich historical community. Haunted. Like it's, and haunted. Uh, <laughs> like we literally, when we moved up here, they were doing, or not that month, but like they do ghost tours on our street. Like, every house of the street is haunted like so needless to say we knew we had a lot of locations but the, the fact the matter is is when we moved up here and and this was another like Toronto and I don't I don't know if Guelph was like this because I wasn't on the that end of things when we were filming then but we go and do like we do a lot of 24-hour 48-hour projects still and 72-hour and all that stuff and the first one we ever did, it blew my mind how much businesses were like, sure, come on in. Would you like a coffee? Here's a sandwich. Like, I'm like, shouldn't you be like having to talk to 30 people and waiting forever to get me my signatures? And they're like, no, I'm like, want to be in it? Okay. Like they were, everyone was so willing and supportive. So when we started the show it was similar. We were able to contact pretty much every location we approached and some somewhere in Aurelia and weren't necessarily right here. But we're really open and i think it was it was our approach this may sound strange but we're very respectful when we come into the space we 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 know we don't try to piss anything or anyone off and we we go with it with a very open mind to saying listen like we might walk in here and nothing will happen but at least we're learning incredible historical things about it we've never you know we're always very respectful to the space we never and, treat it
3: as a joke or no. anything like that which even like you said some of them are way over the top and it's even though it's not a joke, like it, it is. <laughs> like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it, it's not not sketch comedy. It's different world. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, a
2: lot, a lot of those shows are, um, I guess, uh, exploitative. I guess in a way, they they go they go to a site and they you know because there was a story or something like that, and then they just like. make it just a mockery of the whole thing i've seen some shows too where like they they make a mockery of the actual people that are that they're interviewing and stuff like that and it's just like ah this i don't like this but again that's what i kind of like about what you guys have done too
1: it's funny because i don't even think i knew what we were walking into really until after we shot the first the pilot so a couple of months before we started filming uh i was fortunate enough to be in an episode of surviving evil they changed the name i think it was evil encounters what came out of it anyways evil this was the mothman episode so if you're familiar with the concept of mothman is these guys go in the woods they kind of get them all riled up and he comes home with them so i go to film this like two weeks later i have a like three month old baby like i have I, I it hit me what i was doing after we left because we we had experiences the first we ended up that was the only episode we shot two two days at and we had stuff happen. It was it was the thing where, like, we did, like, thankfully we did have someone with us to help walk us through, like, a, a cleansing and white light. We did a lot of the preparation. But I was still really new into the whole everything that I was really scared that I was going to bring something home to my kid. Because I realized, I think, coming out of even that first day of shooting, how much stronger my belief was than I even realized and how much stronger my connection was. And that one psychic fairing well. For the woman told me that I was the highest realm of connection and all of this stuff that I thought was maybe a bit bonkers I was like well maybe she had thought because the thing that got me about that one that psychic fair experience was she connected to my grandmother and the things she said that my grandmother had was saying and the way she described her was like so accurate and I never could let that go it was like whatever else happened around with all whatever tricks and lights and bells and whistles that was too on point that was just too on point. And as this happened and I was feeling and seeing and experiencing all this stuff, it just started coming to me where it was like all the other things that had happened. I was like, Oh wait, no, that was hundred percent real when this, this, and this happened there. So yeah, it just, we kind of evolved into it as we went and we had some pretty amazing people connect to us um in support and people that a very respected medium uh reach out to us as well and and that's supportive of what we were doing in the show in our approach because she said that you know she's connected with a lot of people that do these shows or go in and like provoke so, to get aggression from spirit and to ca- cause a ripple and she was like Qu- quite honestly I've gotten slapped <laughs> and she's like just like i deserved it you know it, and that was something we we it meant, meant something to us because we, if we're in a space and you'll see it on the episode if a spirit doesn't want us there we communicate with we don't we don't hang out we don't leave stay in the room you
0: do get out very quickly you want me to leave bye <laughs> your place
1: but there's people that won't they'll keep poking the bear they'll keep poking the bear so that they can get something for the shot that's not what we're about
2: a lot of times i just want that one little piece you know of, of evidence tell me your best experiences in like you know evidence wise maybe explain that
3: a little bit we went into the show very much like amateur goes like we didn't pretend to be pros we didn't know what we were doing we're just like yeah we're like this was always to me again very (coughs) interesting to me i've always read the books about you know read the books watch the shows kind of had little tricks that you, you know you could kind of learn or whatever we didn't know what we were doing we didn't have proper equipment or anything my whole goal was to, to try and find evidence so how do you find a ghost yeah exactly exactly so just like well, we'll just we'll attempt some stuff and we'll try this and that in the second episode again we i think every single episode we did there was something that was enough to be like well that's i don't know what happened there I, like i'm not quite sure what was there every single episode there was something that was like I don't think I can explain that one. The second episode, which was the um, Discovery Harbor, uh, which is in machine here, it was a, a naval establishment, military base, and there's a lot of, there's all kinds of stories about it. We were in one of the corridors that they said was quite haunted, and we had a, a thermal camera. The gentleman that I am,
1: Diana <laughs> <Sienna> was leading,
3: <laughs> leading the charge into this, this dark room. Nobody else, the camera crew's behind us, nobody else has been in here. So I got the thermal camera and I'm kind of pointing it into the room. Deanna's talking, stuff's going on, and I'm watching this thing and I see something kind of manifest and walk right in front of us. And I'm like, God, if you, once you see the episode, you know I'm about. I was like, oh my, like, what was that? Nobody, nobody else saw it. No, some just walked in front of the camera and I'm like, okay, maybe I'm seeing things. Everybody's like, okay, whatever, Deanna was probably playing with me. Oh, yeah, like no. but she didn't know like nobody saw anything i'm like okay i know i saw something so we went back to the footage we got to go through this because i know i saw something and sure enough you in the thermal camera you see this it looks like a form that, that comes out of nowhere and walks right in front of us and i had been fooled in the first episode with the thermal camera like i went like past a mirror or something and <laughs> debunked it figured it out yeah. it was a mirror whatever but this thing like nothing in the room pure dark and it just like it manifests out of nowhere you just see this like this thing come up and then kind of walk in front of us and it's only like a split second but it's i still get i'm getting goosebumps just like talking about it you're giving me goosebumps yeah the most compelling evidence that i've ever seen i remember
2: i remember your face in that episode too d d's very expressive in the show and you can see her like you know every time something happens like the the looks on her face but with you it's just like that one moment it's like not terrified but I, I don't know it was just hilarious I'm like I kind of laughed a little bit no no offense
3: oh my oh my it was I, I laugh at it it was like a cross between like excitement and like scared and I don't even know what well, was, you
1: think you don't you don't expect it's cool what's, to
3: see but like it what, like- makes,
1: what makes this show interesting too is that because as times evolved he was the believer I was like the in-between and Nate's like so not a believer that's our filmmaker mm-hmm. and editor like he, he his goal is to like debunk so when he's like, I can't explain that too. Is like, okay, something's up. I've moved now to a bit more of the believer, obviously since we started. But you're
3: you're I'm a, a full believer, believer. believer. Let's not. be real.
1: Uh, <laughs> just accepting that it's around ever. I thought it was um, hilarious
3: that you tried to play yourself off as the uh, I'm in between. In because I was, first, I was at first, because I was. Anyways, doesn't
1: matter. <laughs> the point is with that, day, with that day in particular is what to add on to that is from the moment we got into this building. As we're walking on the whole property, the woman you actually hear her say, kind of quiet, she goes on radio, and it, basically when we left, they, she was told that all of the doors were going to be open for us because there was going to be tour groups coming in after us. But she said, "This gives going to be chills." Every single door was supposed to be open. Every single door was closed when we got there to each of the spaces that we explored. And when we got to this building that he's talking about. um the I mean oh me too my my door the door was not only locked but the alarm was on and being weird and it was supposed to not be on like it was supposed to be open and what she said was strange too is that like the door was locked and the inside I'm like so bumpy right now Uh, the um, shutters were open and the system that they have in there because it's a it's for winter for everything for safety because there's artifacts the alarm actually isn't supposed to work unless those shutters are closed and they were open and throughout our actually walking through there was one shot where you actually, I don't think we caught it on camera, but they actually, in one of the other rooms, it actually did open while we were in the room and there was nobody seeing <laughs> them.
3: There's a lot of
1: weird stuff. But that one was like, I and you hear me even say, like, can you come in with me? I'm scared. And I, I'm telling you, there was no one in front of us. And he's saying, like, I was saying, no, there wasn't. And I think it was that I saw something, but I've never seen something like that before. So it, to me, was like, there has to be an explanation and because as we we're i don't know if it made the episode but as we was walking down the hallway again there was actually i saw something walk past me here and guys nobody walked past me there wasn't enough room for a human figure that with bones and body <laughs> to, <laughs> to walk by me needless to say and there was like some spots like that was There's one that really resonated with us and that was our second time doing it like we had stuff on the first one but I'd say that one that was a big episode for me too.
2: I, I don't know if you remember Dee, back when I connected uh, with you when you were doing the show, and I mentioned well, maybe I you know I wanted to do something like that here, but I have this feeling that I would be like screaming like a little girl in the corner, like if if you know if, if I got had any experiences or anything like that. I'm a an optimistic skeptic, like a, I I want to believe, right? I haven't really necessarily said anything to me that said. You know, it's 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 a real thing, right? But I, I come. I my household is full of people who who believe they have experiences and stuff like that. Andrew, what about you? Have, you, have you had experiences? Is this something? Oh, that's... I've got nothing. You got nothing. You're just a, <laughs> no. You're just a cold, cold human being with no no emotional attachment to the other side.
0: Apparently not. <laughs> they don't want to communicate with me as much as I'd like to communicate with them.
3: I'm here. I'm here, man.
0: <laughs> Stray around. Got lots of new friends.
1: You know what's funny though is that we like we some of the people we've met along the way, they can one in particular, um, on the key one, like she can see the spirit. She's, I she sees that I don't want to get there. I'm okay with healing and being in the space. I'm okay with you know, as long as you're you're cool and I'm cool, I'll take it. You know, I don't want to ever get to the place of seeing that. I I'm not that's not that's <laughs> no, not for me. Like I don't, I think it's just, that takes it to a different place that I, I'm personally at this place and space in my life. I'm not, I'm not ready to go there because I think that would be really hard.
0: So does she communicate with them as well too? Or do,
2: can she just see it
0: them? It
3: seemed more Well, than- it's hard to say. She she got, well, the Key One episode, right? That we were talking about, Rob? She, she was our tour guide. She get got...
2: Yeah, I remember her, yeah. a,
3: a few times, like, yeah. like almost kind of had to white. stop the, yeah, had to almost like stop talking with us and just like very affected. I don't know if she fully communicated with them but there was some kind of she some could kind of attachment see. and some kind yeah, of she could see them for sure. you could definitely see them
1: we do know that we do like in an episode in our episode it was episode 10 the yeah. owner current owner she has had dialogues with so she's had dialogues whether it's physically seeing the being in front of her or just communicating with like so we've we have come across that in our in our path and and the medium, the oh. medium that we spoke to with as well same thing like she she did obviously it's kind of been an all over the map thing but um it's really interesting talking to tour guides of some of these spots and the experience they have that's for sure
2: we went to uh niagara on the lake and did one of the uh, the ghost walks and that was actually an experience. My, my wife uh she believes that she has uh a scene and uh, she feels that she's got a, a connection as well but she also has a family friend who actually helped used to help the police in certain investigations uh, she is a medium, and she used to do readings, but she refuses to do readings for family because she doesn't want to have like a negative or toxic effect on somebody's life that she knows. We we've done stuff, and like you know, like I said, like I'm very open to believing and stuff, and so that's why I, I love watching you guys because then there's a personal connection as well as you know the historic connection. I I'm I'm hoping to see and like and like I said, I saw like that that first episode. Or the, sorry, was the first or second episode where you where you'd seen that thing on the the thermal camera, and I was like, wow, this is this is cool. This is super awesome so i'm i'm down with that and i I love watching your show and are are you guys continuing with that show or is that something that's kind of gone to the past now
1: it's one that we we have dreams of a another version of it where it's expanded a little bit past just our region because right now we're content peronia so it's predominantly in this kind of vicinity but we have dreams of Haunted Canada or maybe not that name because I'm pretty sure that's taken but something along those lines with the same sort of idea our, our concept has kind of always been along the lines of like we're going to go do a, an investigation and you come along with us and the same sort of thing you can do and we've kind of spoken a little bit to them about it but uh, it's it's not forever off the table I think you know with the with the pandemic it kind of was one of those things where it was an interesting project because it's an easier project actually to do, as long as you can get access to those places. Depending on COVID restrictions and whatnot, it's a very small crew. It's literally us, Nate, and we usually have one or two other people helping with with sound and minimal, minimal, yeah, minimal. Like four. doing it, so it's not off the table. It's there's not uh, anything set right now, but um, it's definitely something that Jamie and I would love to do again. I loved doing the show. Um, episode ten, the back house was a was a, a a big one of some different different experiences some positive some not some positive, some but even that being said there there were some really tender moments of connection that you know take what you will from it but coming back in coming back to discovery harbor there was one you know up in the um james keating house yeah. keating house having a connection to a little kid and you know, we use pendulum, we use a couple of different things and this feeling of the spirit wanting us there and bringing comfort, it's, I don't know, maybe it's this weird wanting to help people thing that I have, I just, like, there's just some comfort in that and I don't know, I think just, I'm such a, I'm the kind of person that I, I want to travel the world because for me, Paris doesn't exist until I see it and I don't know if that's the same I've sort of, it. I have seen it, but you know what I'm going <laughs> with. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: it's that same sort of thing is that I just, I don't know. I just, there was something. I loved, I love meeting people. I love hearing and learning about our history and our community. And there's something fascinating to me about the other, the other side and our world and what it is and how it works. And and I can't deny that there's something else happening out there. And there's some other presence here. I've felt it, seen it in my own home, you know, like.
2: I think, I think that there, there's like probably the vast majority of people are open-minded to it they just don't want to say it when they're in a crowd and so like watching your show I think helps people at least see that too so again it's all about you guys and helping what's what's going on with that (laughs) 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 that's awesome I think uh Andrew what do you think do you think that we can wrap this up
0: yeah no for sure like I mean I feel like we've only just kind of touched on everything but I I suppose we've been going on for probably about an hour and 15 minutes and uh the grandparents will probably want to turn the kids back over to you so we'll wrap up here so i guess that was another episode of how to survive the modern world or gen x isn't just a fashion statement
2: brought to you by tribe74.com your digital media experts and i want to thank extend an amazing thank you to deanna and jamie delzell for uh, an awesome show awesome episode you guys were on par and we really really appreciate you guys coming here
1: Thank, Thank you, you
0: guys. Yeah, that was awesome.
2: Thank you guys.
1: Hey, and if you're ever in Penetang, we're opening the Pulse Nutrition. So come on over, have a smoothie. We can talk ghosts.
2: Nice. Nice. I love <laughs> it.